Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Happy trails to Tanner Hudson. Before we get started on this mailbag edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, the Bucks tight end. Boy, you didn't see this one coming. <laughs> Steve Burstink, every time we asked... Bruce Arians about Tanner Hudson, he uh, would only talk about his blocking or lack thereof. And uh, we know Tanner has well, some of the best hands on the team. Didn't necessarily always translate in the game, but he was among the few players that they began cutting as they have to get their roster down to 53 players by Tuesday. That'd be today at 4 p.m. So um, I think there's a chance maybe he comes back on the practice squad. He's been there before, obviously, but. I could also see a team that wants a receiving tight end and is not looking uh, maybe for him to block that that might might claim him. You know, it's, it's gonna, it remains to be seen. We'll know later today. But I think there's a chance that um, he's got good enough tape out there that maybe somebody claims him. But if not... Although when um, your coach is out there saying, I need him to block anybody, anybody. Yeah, anybody, somebody, <laughs> anybody. Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and he just said, you know, he's a tight end. He, you know, you're not a receiver. You're a tight end. He, the problem is, as you know, and it's not just limited to offense, but like when you only have 53 players and you dress, you know, 47 or so, um, you know, if you count the inactive third quarterback uh, not dressing, you know, you need guys that aren't starters to play special teams. I mean, you don't want to tax your starters to have to run down, cover a kick, then go into offense and make plays and then come, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, that that's what the backup in order to get a helmet on Sunday, you can't just wait for somebody to get hurt. You actually got to earn your way, um, you know, on in into a uniform essentially uh, on game day, and that's hard to do if you can't uh, forget about blocking. You you've got to be able to block somebody or cover kicks. Um, if you're a tight end, offensive, defensive lineman, running back, um, you know, defensive back, all that stuff. I mean, there, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn wasn't going to make this team until he could prove he could be a gunner. Uh, you know, if they need him to, he can return kicks. He's not any good at it. But let's say they have an injury or two, you can at least count on him catching the ball and maybe going forward and making a few yards. He's got to get better at that. But I think in the case of, of Tanner, uh, forgetting about his role on offense, I, I just don't think they can use him on special teams, which makes it really hard to cut a player that's good on special teams that plays another position it's not always about tight end A over tight end B. Um, very often, it's it's more about you know, do we carry four tight ends or you know six receivers? Uh, well, Jalen Darden's going to be your leadoff, you know, your kickoff and return guy, your punt return guy. Then you're probably carrying the six receivers. So that's sort of the that's sort of the analysis in that. But um, yeah, so he's on his way. We'll see if he's claimed. We'll see if he comes back. Good kid from Tennessee, um, you know, a year ago. He lost his father in December. I mean, it's a it's a heartwarming story. And he was back on the active roster at the end of the season and got to celebrate a Super Bowl, which was really cool with his mom and his fiance. Um, so, 
you know, we wish him well, however he, however he goes. A lot of players, it's a tough day. It's, it's the next two days are tough days for guys that, you know, are seeing their dreams uh, in many cases come, come to an end and others will get another chance elsewhere or uh, have a chance to be on the practice squad. And if you're on the practice squad, the one thing the Bucks have shown is that uh, they're going to utilize those guys and they don't go outside for help. They, they promote a lot of their practice squad players to the active roster when injuries occur. Um, so you're really not just trying to make the 53. You're just trying to get one of those spots uh, on the practice squad. And then, you know, chances are uh, most of those guys end up playing at one time or another during the season. So we got a lot of mailbag questions today. About, well, before uh, that, before that yeah. too, uh, Brett Phillips going to the injured list. Uh, he'll be yeah, out for at least 10 bummer. days, a right ankle sprain. I didn't see that happen. Yeah, I, I didn't either. And uh, Josh Fleming's been optioned to AAA, so that means the Rays have uh, activated J.P. Fireisen, That's a which good is good news for the bullpen, and Dietrich Enns comes back. Right. So we're recording this before the game on Monday night, so yeah, we don't know what's happening with Boston as, as we record this. But uh, Brett Phillips to the IL for 10 days, so. It's a shame, uh, you know. He, in addition to what he's given him uh, with the bat, and he, you know, the, the the grand slams and things like that, and he's a good outfielder. Um, but he's also just a great clubhouse guy. You know, he's that energy that Willie Adamas used to bring. Takes the helmet off the guy when they reach the club, you know, reach the dugout, all that stuff. So you love having him around. Hopefully, he can stick around. Well, with a right ankle got. sprain, I wouldn't imagine it's something he's going to be gone for a long. He's not going to leave or, the team. Yeah. No, I wouldn't think. And if he does, it, it won't be for long. But um, those ankle sprains can can get you. Uh, again, I'm not sure how he did it, but uh, those can be painful things. I had one. I've had a bunch of them playing basketball and stuff like that, but I had one at, at Arkansas State in the fall, and I was it was the only time I got help with a trainer. What's weird about it is that when you go to get rehab on an ankle sprain, one of the things they make you do, and I wasn't prepared for this, is they make you lift weights with a sprained ankle, <laughs> which sounds antithetical. Right? It's like, wait a minute. My ankle hurts. I don't want to lift. I don't want to move it. It's like, no, you have to. Because if you don't strengthen those ligaments, um, you're more prone to more sprained ankles. So, uh, And then they give you the hot-cold treatment, which is you know ice and then heat, which is great. Like You love that. But, uh, yeah, so he'll, he'll have, to, have to get that ankle. I know shape. hockey's different, but Phil Esposito always talks about you know, a high ankle sprain. There, there's mm. ankles, you know, when you get a high ankle sprain, he goes, you'd be better off breaking your ankle. Yeah, that's a long he injury. He says it yeah. heals quicker. Now, I mean, in baseball, it's a different type of injury. In, in hockey with the skates and everything else, your ankles, it's a whole different yeah, different sport in the way you use your ankles and that. But I, I know, right. you know, I, obviously not sure what kind of right ankle sprain. I would assume it's, it's not a high one. Right. Uh, for right. You don't hear that in baseball too often. But I know in hockey, no. when you get a high ankle sprain, you know, Phil's always like, you'd rather be better off breaking your ankle. Yeah, you hear it in football too. You can be back in four weeks with a broken one, and you can maybe take eight or nine weeks with a high ankle mm-hmm. sprain. All right, we can get to the mailbag questions now. We'll start with some Bucks questions. And Ellis had asked, is the Buccaneers special teams play going to be the weakest phase of their game again this year? Well, I, I would say probably yes, because I, I think they're pretty good on offense and I think they're pretty good on defense. Now, um, I, I thought they were an average to below average special teams a year ago. Rick Oslin, who used to work for the Dallas Morning News, now he's on the Talk of Fame Network. He does a lot of these special teams rankings. Um, I think he had the Bucks moved up quite a bit. They were sort of middle of the pack. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, the return game has not been much to really get excited about. You know, and, and it's hard. First of all, it's hard to return kicks in the league. They've sort of outlawed it, right, by moving the uh, 
the kickoff spot so they get a lot of touchbacks. Um, punters are so adept at kicking the ball high with hang time. You get a lot of fair catches and things like that. But I just don't think that, that they have, you know, over the years, they haven't really blocked very well for anybody. And so they haven't, consequently, they haven't had any big returns. Um, at times, their coverage was not very good a year ago. And I think one thing to look for, and it happens every NFL season, even more so now, is that these first two to three weeks, you're going to see big plays in the special team because you're going to see a lot of missed tackles. The tackling in general has gotten worse over the years, but it's really bad when when these guys aren't able to play in preseason games. And when they practice, they rarely ever, ever um, take a guy down to the ground. So your technique, if you don't use it, starts to slip. And, you know, the first part of the year you'll see a lot of guys step out of tackles and you'll see a lot of uh, bad pursuit angles and things and big plays on special teams in the return game because these guys are new. They're, they haven't been together a lot of times. They're rookies out there for, for the most part. Um, and then they just don't get to practice it. And so that that's sort of what I would look out for. All right, King Lewis asked, is Joe Tryon already a starter this season, or is he still a backup? Well, that's Joe Tryon Shoinka to you. Um, uh, yes. The hyphened, uh, the hyphened one. He's he's not a starter in this sense. I mean, he's an outside linebacker, and it, as, if you looked at the depth chart in this in this three four defense that they run, um, the two outside starting outside linebackers are Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaquille Barrett. So you know he's not one of those guys. Okay. However, Todd Bowles is very creative, and he's no dummy. So if you're Todd Bowles and you've got you know, your your team, your defense is tops among, against the run the last two years in a row. If you can shut down a run early in the series and get to a third and must throw, um, there's going to be probably several opportunities and packages where Joe Tryon rushes along with JPP and with Shaq Barrett. Now, they'll have to take somebody out of the game, most likely Will Golston, um, but they may move slide one of those guys. Pierre Paul did it last year. Slide one of those guys inside, maybe even Joe, uh, and, and let perhaps let Joe rush from the outside. So I think, in fact, I know there's several defensive calls uh, where, in that sense, Tryon is like a starter. But will he be one of the two outside linebackers to run out of the tunnel week one? I don't think so. Will he play a hell of a lot? Um, yeah, I think he will because – I think he's just scratching the surface of what he's capable of. You know, we saw one of the most impressive things between the first preseason week and then on Saturday was this. Uh, Joe Tryon Shawinka got in there the first week, uh, and if you remember, he kind of went helmet to helmet with the quarterback. Uh, whether you want to say that he put too much body weight on him, whatever, he, he sacked the quarterback and he drew a penalty for it. And I, I think you could you could stress that maybe that, you know, that, that was a penalty. And then, you know, last Saturday, or just this past Saturday, he gets to the quarterback, and this time he's looking to strip the ball and sort of push the quarterback down as he's doing it. And so he avoids the penalty. So he's he's already, like you can see how quickly he learns. His first step is ridiculous. I think people look back at this as one of the best draft picks that Jason Light had, which is saying something when you consider a year ago, you know, um, sort of the draft really the draft he's had the last couple of years, but especially with Tristan Wirfs and, 
Antoine Winfield Jr., but, man, this Joe Tryon, dude, he is – when veteran players who have been in the league a long time uh, and, and feel no obligation at all to, you know, just blow somebody up, they have, they have praised Joe Tryon like I've never heard veteran players do. They see special, you know, as Jameis Winston taught me, real knows real. So uh, I, I think Joe is the real deal. All right, Les ask. Rick, you answered this on a mailbag last week and said there was no chance. But does Saturday's game change your mind? And the question was, is there any chance that Kyle Trask could play his way into the number two spot and Blaine Gabbert could be the odd man out? Well, he's not going to play his way into it. If you're asking me, has he played his way into it, I think the answer is no. I mean, we talked to Bruce Arians on Sunday, and we were talking about how you know some of these guys um, – and Trask was coming off his best preseason game. How some of these guys in the second group on offense just haven't played very well. Is that bothering you? He said, no, because I don't plan to ever have to play them. I think you could say that about the quarterback position as well. And, you know, for whatever improvements um, Kyle Trask made during the offseason and in training camp in the preseason, uh, yeah, that's over because now it's all about the Dallas Cowboys. And then the next week it'll be all about the guys – we're going to help them beat the Carol, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And then the next week it will be about all the guys that can help them beat the uh, the L.A. Rams. So, you know, this is this is the equivalent to a redshirt year, um, you know, for Kyle Trask, barring injuries. And I just think when, you know, when your your whole focus is Super Bowl or bust, which it should be, should be that way for everybody, but particularly for a team with a 44-year-old quarterback that just won one, um, you know, you can't do on the job training. And right now there's a whole lot more confidence level in Bruce Arians in Blaine Gabbert because he's had him. You know, he's gone four and four as a starter with Bruce. And so that's that's where they will go. Uh barring an injury somewhere along the line, I don't think Trask plays this year. And that's not a, necessarily a bad thing because he didn't play right away in high school, if at all, he was never the starter. Florida, he was behind Felipe Franks. But every time he's come in, when he's had time to develop, he's absolutely been prepared and he ripped it. And I think that's the role that they envision for him, you know, now. And, in fact, on Monday, he was in Clyde Christensen's office on what was, you know, the players have, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. They have four consecutive days per the CBA agreement. And Trask was already in there trying to get better because he had a quiet room. He had you know, an opportunity to just have some time with, the, with his position coach. So that's kind of who he is. Um, but I, don't, I do not see an aerial short of injury where he's going to be the number two. All right, we've got some Rays questions now. And Brantley had asked, at this point it looks like the Rays will either play the Red Sox or the Yankees in the American League Division Series. Who would be a better matchup for the Rays? Well, I would have said uh, the Yankees until they made a couple deals, and now I think they're a better baseball team, and they've proven that uh, when they went on that 13-game win streak. Now, you know, the Red Sox faded. Now they're coming back a little bit more. Um, but I, I I, think he wants to know who's a favorable matchup. I think it's probably the Red Sox. Um, I don't know that their pitching is as good, starting or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think they – they kind of overachieved early in the season offensively. Um, you know, they, they went through a tailspin. They're kind of back on track a little bit now, but they've got to run down a bunch of teams. So, you know, the Rays have had a lot of success at Fenway and Yankee Stadium of late under Kevin Cash. 
Um, I'm going to say it's the Red Sox. I could be wrong. I mean, I just I'm just going. You know, we're asking this. You know, on the heels of the Yankees, they've lost mm-hmm. two in a row now, but they won 13 straight games. But you just look at who they added. You know, I, I just think I just think they're better than Boston. So if the Yankees are healthy, I would rather face Boston. But don't count right. out Oakland or Seattle yet. And no, the reason I say no. that is. You know the Rays are playing seven seven against Boston the next week and a half. Mm. If the Rays win five or six of those games, not saying they will, but if they yeah. do, all of a sudden Oakland, who's only as we tape this two and a half behind Boston, could pull into that second we'll wild card spot. I mean, it, yeah, and Seattle's just two games behind Oakland, so yeah. I, I don't think. And, and quite frankly, Toronto is sitting there too. They're just a, another game back of Seattle, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to think it's going to be Boston, New York, but I still think Oakland has a good shot at that. Um, just knowing Boston still has games with New York and the Rays left. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I think, and I, I still think Boston has, you know, their record at what seventy five and fifty seven is still overachieving for what that team is this year. Oh, and I didn't expect you them know. to be anything, and mm-hmm. they they led the division most of the way. Yes. So, you know, while it could be come down to the Boston and the Yankees. I still think Oakland slides in there, and I think it's going to be the Yankees and Oakland in that first, in that wild card game. That's my That's prediction. Interesting. And Oakland never beats the Yankees <laughs> wild card games. It just never happens. No, they don't. I mean, their record's better than the Twins against the Yankees in the well, postseason, but yeah. they they never it's beat right, New York. It's right they can't there. even win a game against New York in the postseason. <laughs> I know, and they always and it's always New York. Like if they could just play somebody else, right? Although it's always New York. someone asked me last week, who would you rather face in the wild card? And I said Oakland. Really? Huh. Well, and here's my reasoning. The trop would be 100% Rays fans. That's true, yeah. Mhm. You know, I mean, you remember remember when it was when they played Houston 2 years ago. Yeah, I was at game I was at game uh, yeah. what was it 5? Game 3 and 4. 3 and 4 I was yeah, at it was four. a 5 game series, yeah. And and yeah. but there wasn't any Houston fans or, you know, no, a handful. No. It was you, you know? didn't you didn't see him uh, not wait with all the waving of those towels and things. It was electric atmosphere. Yeah. But if, if it's Oakland that you're facing, it's going to be an atmosphere like that. If yeah. it's New York or Boston, then you know you who, who knows how the Boston crowd fan. Right. is divvied up. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, Les had asked. He says, at this point, if the Rays don't make the World Series, wouldn't that be a huge disappointment and seen as a lost opportunity? I don't want the Rays to turn into the Buffalo Bills, getting there but never winning. This needs to be the year. Well, it's going to take on. If not the Bills, it's going to take on sort of an Atlanta Braves type feeling, you know, where they had all those good teams. Mm-hmm. And I, like I can't compare the Braves and well, they you know, won fourteen Smoltz straight championships, yeah, division championships, you know, and, and won you know, World Series. Yeah, the the Rays are going for their second straight AL East title, right? So uh, <laughs> they've won it a few times, but they're not they're not the Braves yet. Um, the Buffalo Bills, yeah, I mean, eh, nobody circles the wagons like the Rays. I. I don't think, I don't think they're in that category just yet. But let's face it, uh, it's a hell of an accomplishment, right? To win the American League, they don't just hand those out. So getting to a World Series is no small feat. Only one team is is happy at the end of the year. But when you get there, and they've been there twice now, you got to win the game. You like you just. That's the one thing I will say about the Bucks. They've only been to two Super Bowls, but buddy, they got them both. You know. They got they won the hardware and I'll just I'll never forget, you know, uh talking to Rich McKay like the eve before the game in San Diego years ago and and he said, you know, Rick, you get here, you have to win this game. Because if you don't, 
you're watching those t-shirt commercials for the next six months where it's like, you know, hey, Dodger fans, you know, celebrate the Dodgers World Series championship over the Rays with a the game-worn hat and t-shirt that they had after, you know. So you just, you have to, you have to finish the job. And to be honest with you, I feel somewhat confident. Like you said, are you somewhat confident, not confident, very confident, like the Rays will make it back to the World Series? I'm somewhat confident they will. If you ask me the same question about them winning the World Series, I would say not confident at all. Um, I think those teams in the National League are better this year. I don't. If I was handicapping the World Series right now, I would say whoever comes out of the National League is going to be better. I think San Francisco, L.A., and Milwaukee are great teams. Yeah. I think Atlanta's very good. Yeah. Uh, the Padres haven't achieved what you had hoped, and the Reds no. are maybe a little better than you anticipated, but those top three teams in the National League are fantastic. It's going to be the Dodgers or San Francisco. I mean, let's be honest. That's how it's going to come down. I still think Milwaukee's got a shot there. Milwaukee, yeah, with a little bit of magic. Hey, they, the Bucks won. the Look, they could be Champa Bay. Mm-hmm. What would you call them? Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Mil, whatever, title town. Um, yeah. they, they, could, they could, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. that momentum carries over. The fans are geeked up about their NBA title and Giannis, and mm-hmm. maybe he throws out the first pitch. But I, you that know, in the look. American League, I mean, you, you're going to have to go through Houston, Chicago, the Yankees. Tough. tough. I mean, those are good teams. I mean, those are – Any of those I, teams I think those are the four best. Those are the four best teams in the American League. I think Oakland's next, even though Boston's right. got a better record than them right now. Right. Um, I'd put Oakland in that, you know, very good team. I don't think they're elite. Right. Uh, you know, so I think either league's going to be hard. I mean, you know, you're back to just five teams in the in the postseason, unlike last year where they had the, the three-game series initially and they had more teams in because of the short yeah. season. Yeah. I think, you know, all the teams that are going to be in the division series are going to be tough. I do, too. You know, there's three I or just, four, you know, teams in each league. I think that can that can win the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like I like the National League and the World Series, but if you get there, race, you, you know, you have to win one of these. You just can't keep getting there and not finishing the deal. That's for sure. All right, go snarf ass. Would the Rays consider changing their road uniforms to a powder blue like the '80s teams, such as the Rangers and Cardinals? Their current Ooh. gray seems so uninteresting. At least go with a darker shade of gray. Powder blue. I'd be all in for powder blue. All in. You buying a jersey? You're wearing a jersey? I can't wear jerseys. <laughs> I, it's, I, I got the jersey rule. Number one, you can never wear the jersey of somebody who is who is uh, older than younger than you. Um, you have to be the same age or thereabouts. So yeah, jersey. Yeah, Tom rule has Tom Jones has all these rules, but I love the powder blue. When uh, you remember, I mean the. You remember the Cardinals? They had blue for a while. Oh, yeah. um, who was it else? Somebody had, had the powder blue. Toronto. That's right. Yeah, Toronto's Toronto powder yeah. blue are outstanding. Yeah, the Rangers were good. And when I was in when I was in high school, it was, I don't know what year it was. I'm trying to think of who wore the powder blue then. But when I was in high school at Dixie Hollins, of course, our colors were blue and white mostly. Um, we changed. We our senior. We had junior senior year. We had powder blue, and it was a it was the coolest thing to wear those colors. It really was. It's a great color. I, mean, I love it, it in football. The, the Chargers are great. The Twins have had it. Of course, the Brewers. Twins have had it. That's a good one. That's a good look, the Twins uniform in the powder blue. The Brewers like have had it. The Royals, Brewers. of course, that's kind yeah. of their color. Yeah, Royals is good. So, yeah, I, I would love love it. I think it would be, be an Phillies awesome. Phillies have uniform. had powder blue. 
They have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the old you see the old baseball cards yep. and you get the Phillies with the powder blue. No, and the Expos, of course, were powder blue. Mm-hmm. They're not around anymore, or they're the Nationals now. But Yeah, any sports team with that color in North Carolina, like any team that has those colors, are I think are exceptional. Love to see it. All right, Greg sent an interesting question. He said, what is your best memory of a football opening day as a fan before you got into journalism or as a reporter? Wow, it's so long ago. I can't remember. If you're talking about football, um, before I got in as a reporter, I would it, the only the only professional team we would have had would have been the Buccaneers, and they weren't very good until '79, um, '80 thereabouts. So, yeah, I can't I can't remember being geeked up, you know, for a uh, an opening day. For the Bucks, I, I I could be wrong. I'm trying to think because I was was like I was a reporter by the time Joe Montana came here against the Chiefs. Um, was at that game. I think I can't. For as far as the Bucks go, geeked up. Not as a fan. I can't remember as a fan. I can remember, um, you know, sort of playoff games and things that I wanted to go to. I went, went to the uh, the the, the was still one of the biggest games that the Bucks won. They beat Ron Jaworski's Eagles uh, to go to the to host the NFC Championship against the Rams, where they lost nine to nothing. That was a big one. But opening day, opening day, I didn't go to a lot of opening day games. I, I don't think, not in the NFL anyway. I have, I mean, from before I started working, my favorite sport growing up was college football. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the middle of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. And so being a Michigan fan, I have two distinct opening day memories. Okay. Uh, and I was at both of these games. So both of them were in the big house up in Ann Arbor. It was 1989. It was the first game of the season. It was Notre Dame at Michigan. I don't remember. Both were highly the first ranked. game? Wow. Oh, they, did, they often play the first game. Yeah. Um, it was the first game of the season. It was on the turf in Michigan. Or that ugly old, you know, hard turf, whatever else. It was number one mm-hmm. versus number two. That's right. I was just looking it up now. Mm. And he ended up winning the game 24-19 because Rocket Ishmael returned two touchdowns for, for oh, kickoff returns. Oh, I remember returns. that game. Two kickoff returns for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, the other one was 1995. It was the Pigskin Classic. Virginia at Michigan. Both were ranked fairly high. Virginia led 17 nothing going into the final quarter. Ouch. And in the corner of the end zone where our tickets were, Mercury Hayes catches the ball right in the end zone over his shoulders. He's going out of bounds to win the game as time expired. Oh, wow. And they won 18-17. It was Those the biggest, biggest comeback in Michigan history. Down 17 nothing going into the final quarter. It wasn't an opener, but you were at a game – that I watched on TV uh, that we looked up um, that did not go Michigan's way, but it's still one of the most storied college football games in history. I've never heard 100,000 people as quiet <laughs> as it was September 24th, 1994. I was in college, took a bunch of my friends up. I went to school at the University of Cincinnati, but we drove up for the game. Colorado mm-hmm. versus Michigan. Both teams highly ranked. Cordell Stewart. Cordell slash, Stewart, Michael slash. Westbrook's receiver. Michigan's got a good team. Michigan led 26 to 14. I want to say it was about five minutes left. 
And I remember turning to my friends going, this game isn't over yet. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it is. Let's go to the cake house. <laughs> Michigan just wasn't playing well late. I mean, they had the lead. Yeah, Colorado ends up scoring with like two and a half minutes to go to make it 26-21. Uh, Michigan ends up with a three and out. I think Colorado had a timeout or two. They didn't have they all They must have to get the ball back. Yeah. So Colorado gets the ball back deep in their territory with like 30 seconds to go. It ends up on the 36-yard line. Yeah, because the first down stops yep. the clock. That's the great yeah, thing about 36 yard line with six seconds to go, and Westbrook ends up or uh, Cordell Stewart ends up throwing it 70 yards down to Westbrook. It ricochets off the scrum of players into Michael Westbrook's hands, and Colorado upsets Michigan. And I've never heard a hundred thousand people that quiet before. Well, and you I, heard I was crowd. we looked it up. I I remember where I was, and I looked it up, and I was I was at the Paper Valley Inn, which is this. Um, sort of convention hotel where the team, the visiting teams that play Green Bay all stay in Appleton, Wisconsin. Um, and so typically you get in there in the afternoon, go turn on the college football game in your room, and there was Colorado and Michigan. And that pass, I was like, it was like, holy cow, what a great play that was. And um, then the Bucks went out and probably got beat 34-3 by Green Bay the next day. <laughs> Those are horrible teams. We, we were man. looking up the roster. Oh, <laughs> can I just say when I write my book, nobody knows I'm famous. There will be a chapter on all the bad football that I had to watch. Yeah. Let's see. Um, Craig Erickson and Trent Dilfer were the quarterbacks battling it out. Craig, I, they I, combined well, to go 12 for 30 for 197 <laughs> yards. Well, and Trent was a rookie. He wasn't starting. So Erickson no. would have started. That yes, game, Erickson sure. started. Yes, he did. Yeah, and then they put Trent in there. Yeah. Eric Rett and Vince Workman combined for 15 carries for 42 yards. Eric Rett and Vince Workman, two non-explosive running backs yeah. if there ever was one. Leading receiver was Courtney Hawkins. Seahawk. Jackie Harris had a couple catches. Former former Green Bay tight end. So Jackie did Charles Harris. Wilson. Yeah. Horace Copeland with the catch. Willie Green High with C. the catch. High C. Copeland. <laughs> Ah, uh, those teams, man. They were they were. Meanwhile, brutal. Brett Favre went thirty for thirty nine for three hundred six <laughs> yeah, yards did. and three TDs. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and they were going dun 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 go pack go the whole game. I guarantee you. Let's go back and look at my game story. I wonder how he wrote that one up. Probably that Trent played, and it was only a matter of time before he took the job. It was several more weeks though, but they, and, and this never made sense to me either. So it was 1994, okay, and Trent's a rookie, and there was you know controversy about why they took him. He fell to them. He was he could have been he could have been the first overall pick that year, but he fell to six. They took him, and White loved Eric. He loved Craig Erickson. I mean, he just did. And um, so he had Erickson. He wanted to start him, but then they got you know they got off to a bad start or whatever games like that, and they decided to have Trent make his first start. At San Francisco, are you kidding me? At at the Forty ers this is where you're. This this is the place you chose, you know, to have your first start against against. Then I guess it would have been uh, ninety four. That would have been uh, Steve Young, I think, was the quarterback probably then. If I don't think Montana was still there, but um, you know, that's it, it, and and of course he got destroyed. That's it. Um, Looking it up, Steve Young was the starting quarterback. Yeah, and they they destroyed Trent. Trent didn't have a very good day to yeah, say the 41 least. 41-16 to 16 was the score. I just thought it was like unfair. It's like, really? Like, you're going to start this kid. First of all, start him on the road, which is a bad idea. And then secondly, oh, yeah, against a, a team that had already won four Super Bowls, you know, going for their fifth. 
Yeah, Trent um, went seven for twenty three for forty five yards in an interception. Yeah. Woof! They took him out. Yeah, Craig Erickson went five for seven, sixty seven in a yeah. TD. But yeah, they took him out. It was it was it was grim. It was really grim. Hey, but Dan Straczynski was one for one with a twenty one yard pass. So fake field goal, baby, <laughs> or fake field goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam White would rather trick, trick you than beat you. That was that was the whole thing. So I was listening to Trent Dilfer on a podcast. By the way, not a good video. He had, a, you know, he coaches high school in Nashville. Kind of didn't lose control really. He just put his hands on a player and had him go sit down. But anyway, he was talking about how, um, and this was true. He said if he were coming out today, they'd have thought of him as Josh Allen because he was six four and about like two forty, two thirty five. And he could run like a four six four. Like the guy was fast, had a huge arm, had a big arm, wasn't very accurate, but had a big arm. Um, that's that's. And so he was very honest. He was like, you know, my regret is of my career. And he won a Super Bowl with the uh, the Baltimore Ravens here in Tampa. But he said, my regret, my regret is I never fulfilled my potential. I had it all. Like I had, you know, the arm, the speed, the desire. He said, I just, you know. Didn't know what I didn't know. You know, just was, he felt like he, he was a little arrogant that way. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Great questions again on the mailbag. You guys never disappoint. You don't have to wait for a mailbag. You can send us those questions anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud. At TampaBay.com. Before we get out of here, um, this was interesting. We, I meant to mention this the other day. Sunday was a long, sort of a long podcast Sunday for Monday. But um, the Glazers, having learned from the Tom Brady experience, went out and Manchester United kind of did a Brady-esque-like thing, getting Ronaldo back. Yeah, that's uh, two for two in the last two years for big game hunting for them. Yeah. I mean, those, you know, Tom Brady leaving New England and Ronaldo leaving Juventus to head back to Man U, where he uh, played early in his career before mm-hmm. he had gone to Real Madrid and then to Juventus after that. But um, huge news. Oh. I mean, he was supposed to go to the rival Man City. That was what right. all the reports were. And then all of a sudden they were they out and he have... went back to Man U. You wonder if, if that was a fact. That's a factor, right? Like it was going to be a little too close for them if he went to Man City. So they're like, well, we can't let him go there, whether they had an interest initially or not. And I think they would have. Um, but what was funny, like, I, I, you know, I, on Twitter, there was, and I can't, I don't know who the guy was. It was a British, one of the British commentators for <laughs> the Premier League. Um, and he was talking about Ronaldo. Now, Ronaldo is. 34, 36, what is he, somewhere in there? He's uh, he's up there. I want to say he's uh, let me double 34 check years old. He's 36. 36, okay, so he's 36 years old. Yep. So, which is, you know, for a, a, a football a footballer, is is uh, is up there, especially one at his level. 
And the guy was just trashing it. Like, I, I don't think they like the Glazers or anything that they do. That's first and foremost. But, you know, this is one of the two greatest. Like, Messi would be the greatest player in the world, really, or Messi and Ronaldo. Those Some two, would say right? Ronaldo is. I think Messi's the better player overall. Yeah. But, but Ronaldo. Well, the interesting thing about Messi, I actually asked the Glazers about Messi at the Hall of Fame because he had signed somewhere else. I go, you guys look at him. He goes, no, no, he's just, yeah, no, no, too old. <laughs> like, it kind of. And Messi, I think, might be older than Ronaldo, I think. No, he's only 34. So he's, so he's 34, and they kind of led me to believe he might be too old, which is interesting. But anyway, this guy was going on and on. It's like, you know, and he was just, you know, oh, you know, great player, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's, 30, he's 34, he's 36 years old. I mean, what's he got? He's he's not the Ronaldo that, 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 that he was, you know, years ago. Or even And this is the Premier League. I mean, like. Well, he's not going to be the best player in the league. He's just—I don't know what he's going to do. It's a, ter- it's a terrible signing. I, I, it just makes no sense. And the more the guy talked, I thought, just change Brady for Ronaldo, <laughs> and it's the same commentary. So it's Max Kellerman, you're saying, or Nick Wright? Or yeah, well, he basically, he was the Max Kellerman of of the Premier League. You know, just just dumping all over it. But um, we know, it, and then and then, like in the same breath, he goes. He might well, he might lead the league in scoring. I'm not sure. I think I think he goes. Well, what did he do last year? Oh yeah, he was the league scorer <laughs> in some league. I'm like, well, if he was able to do it a year ago, he said, we won't be able to do it for very long. And it's just, but you know, they gotta have they gotta have those shows, right? So, um, I hope he lights it up. Might be great. Like the Glazers won a Super Bowl and then won the Premier League or Champions League or something like that. It would be that would be interesting. I know God, Messi dude. made his first appearance on Sunday for PSG. He went to Paris Saint Germain. Did he? And yeah. uh, Ronaldo goes back home. So going home, yeah. yeah. That, and eventually, in a couple of years, they'll probably both be in the MLS over here. So right, that's when yeah, they no. will be too old to play, and then they'll play. Over that's here. when you know you're retired is when you when you play in the MLS, right? Yeah. Although the MLS like, did like in, Beckham did in, in defense, it's getting a lot better. So I, I do enjoy watching. I watched, uh, but that's where you can still make that last big oh, paycheck, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. For the David international Beckham stars, and, yeah. I mean, you've seen yeah. like Ibrahimovic and others come over and do that. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I watched the Seattle Portland game the other night. That was fantastic. After it was on uh, national TV, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was on ESPN. That's a huge rivalry there, Portland and Seattle. Yeah, in soccer. So that was a that was a great match. El Tráfico was over the weekend. That's the L.A. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. That had one of the Seattle best goals you'll is, ever see in it. Seattle's, I don't know if it's an underrated sports town, but it's a really good sports town. Like, And particularly for that soccer team, I remember I've been there a couple times where the Bucks were playing the Seahawks and it was like a Saturday night and I'm seeing all these people going downtown in jerseys and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Like, there's obviously some. It, it was it was their soccer team. Yeah, the Sounders. They, they come out in droves to support that team. Mm-hmm. They draw really well. Yeah, the Pacific Northwest is a big soccer area. Big so soccer Portland, area. Portland, yeah. that's huge. There, of course, that's their only pro team. But that's all Portland, Portland has. Yeah. yeah, that's huge up there. So, yeah, that was interesting. Well, we're going to have a uh, a great week of shows for you. Of course, uh, we're going to talk to Mark Topkin on tomorrow's show about the Rays, the first place Rays, with uh, as we do this podcast, a six game lead in the American League East, thanks to the Oakland A's knocking off the Yankees a couple times. So they got like 30, what is it, 34 to play? 36 32. to play? 32. Well, by the time you hear this, it'll be 31. But It'll be 31, yeah. Wow. So um, just incredible what they've done. Looking forward to talking to Mark. And then uh, it's college football. Oh, boy. We got Matt Baker to talk a little college football. 
have on Big Thursday. Yeah, with uh, Thursday night, USF kicks off. Against North Carolina State, yeah. right, at, and NC State. And then they come home and play Florida. We've got, yeah. I think, Wisconsin plays Penn State over the weekend. Yes, that's, that's a big a huge, game in my house. I'm not sure who the Red Wolves got, but I will look it up by the time we talk next and tell you who that big tilt is, uh, the Jonesboro, Jonesboro fans. And then Thursday, of course, uh, for Friday, we'll get you ready, a football Friday for uh, – well, we'll still have plenty of time to talk about this. We're going to talk Bucks. We're going to talk about their cuts. We'll talk about their preparations for their game against the Dallas Cowboys. This is a weird week. So the Bucks players are off um, all the way until Thursday. Thursday is their first day back. Then I think they work a couple days, and I think they take – I think they'll have Saturday off. They have one more day off again before they play. Um, but they're ahead of the curve, obviously, with uh, all the preparation they've already done. They get these extra days uh, because there's no preseason game this week. So, uh, you know – that uh, that Thursday game, man, it's coming. We are oh so close to what's going to be, I think, um, weather notwithstanding. Hopefully we won't have any more tropical storms uh, and or hurricanes or thunderstorms and things like this. But, man, oh, man, is this, this is going to be an event. You know, we had the Super Bowl. It was obviously diluted by COVID and, and the lack of fans, only 25,000. And, um, you know, at that time, uh, you know, a lot of hospital workers and things like that. Couldn't really do much uh, in terms of the city itself. They did have sort of an amended, you know, pro football NFL experience type thing. Um, but now this is sort of like this is sort of like Super Bowl light in a way. Um, only it's going to be a packed house, and Ed Sheeran is in town. They're going to have mm-hmm. a concert down at Julian um, B Lane Park during the yeah, day. Yeah, it's just going to be. I think there's an event the night before even. I think at Sparkman Wharf. Yeah, and it's the kickoff. It's not just the Bucks opener. It's the kickoff to the entire NFL season. It's the defending champion, world champion, NFL champion, Buccaneers, Super Bowl champions, and Tom Brady um, at 44 going out there against America's team. And I really believe Dak Prescott and all that stuff and the guys with the stars on their helmet. It's going to be a huge event in Tampa Bay. I can't remember – I was trying to remember when the last time the Bucks had a, a an opener, a season. Because, you know, when they won the Super Bowl back in 02, the 03 opener was at Philly. And to this day, it's yeah, an Thank you very much, NFL. Yeah, right? Uh, John Gruden is still annoyed, uh, as he was that day in Arizona. He was hot as hell. Um, they closed the vet, and then they had to open Lincoln Financial Field the next year. So, really, there's been big games since then, you know, obviously, at, at, at Ray J., um, because the next year, uh, I would say that the next biggest game that I can remember uh, after that in 03 would have been Tony Dungy's uh, coming back home with the Indianapolis Colts. And, of course, they blew that. That's still the biggest comeback in Monday Night Football history. I think they were up 21, 24 points in the fourth quarter and blew it. Um, but that atmosphere was electric. And there's been there's been some games like that. You know, you used to have big games against Kurt Warner and the Rams and against Brett Favre and Packers and, you know, all those sort of big events there at, uh, in playoff games too, of course, at Raymond James uh, with San Francisco, you know, the year they went to the Super Bowl. But really it's been a huge gap uh, between that and what I think the atmosphere is going to be for this one. I, I think this is just going to be off the chain. Um, lots of enthusiasm, build up all week long. The world will be focused on Tampa. It's the start of the NFL season, um, college football over the weekend, and then then Thursday night against the Cowboys. So I'm 
I'm pretty hyped to see what that building sounds like. It's been a long time since you've heard that sound, right? And there's nothing. That's why you go to the games. What we can't get on television, although it's pretty cool to watch there too. But like that that energy that's in the building, it's palatable, and I think the players will feel it. I think anybody in the stadium will feel it. I'm sure there'll be a flyover if you know, weather permitting. It's going to be it's going to be grand, and then you know the concert before. So I mean, it's it's going to be. Uh, there's going to be some Dallas fans there because there's Dallas fans everywhere. Absolutely, they but it's going to be well. predominantly Bucks fans. Yeah, because it's, it's they've season sold tickets. The, I mean, they've yeah, pretty they've much sold, sold everything out. Mm-hmm. When's the last time that we've heard that stadium sold out and predominantly Bucks fans? I mean, it have to be I mean, like I said. I think it's oh three. I mean, yeah, it's I, probably been at least. I mean, well over ten years. Oh, easily. 12. Well, they didn't make the playoffs for 12 years, so yep. let's just start there, okay? Um, I can't remember, you know, when they lost a playoff game, the last one they would have played in uh, before this past year with the Super Bowl and they were all on the road. Mm-hmm. The last one they would have played in would have been Gruden in 07. Yep. And that would have been, I think, against the Washington Redskins. It was a brutal game. Um, I mean, I, I moved here in 2010. Yeah. And they were dealing with blackouts the first few years I was here. Yes, I mean, yes. Yeah, at that point, the NFL still, if you didn't sell out still a game. still had the blackout rule, yeah. You know, it was blacked out locally, so, mm-hmm. you know. And there had been some sellouts in those couple years, but it was generally like if the Steelers were in town or. Green Bay you know, or yeah, somebody, yeah. Somebody, the Bears, and they brought, you know, Chicago brought yep. a ton of fans. Or, you know, what it, it was games like that. It wasn't a lot that was sold out for Tampa Bay. No, no. And it and, and it had its day where it was it was predominantly, you know, Buck fans. That'll be the case again. Um, you know, you, I mean, I just can't, you know, Tom Brady running out of that tunnel and doing the LFG thing in the end zone and the whole, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be live. So, um looking forward to that. We're 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 oh so close to it and then October looms not too far away. October baseball, got to believe the Rays will be involved in that big time. So hockey will be starting up before you know it. We've got a lot of things going on, man. This is my favorite time of year, no doubt. And I'm I'm a big college football fan. I'm looking forward to that too. So keep it right here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We'll be back tomorrow with Mark Topkin to talk a little bit of Tampa Bay Rays. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 